0: What is going on, all you constant listeners out there in the multiverse? You are listening to the Earth 16 Comics Wire podcast. I'm your host, Brian from Earth 16. And in this episode, um, we're going to have David Pepos back. And this time, we're going to be talking about his latest comic, Scout's Honor, which is being published by Aftershock, Aftershock Comics. You don't want to miss this, folks. <laughs> what is going on all you constellations out there in the multiverse. I hope you're all having a happy new year It's Friday, January the 6th, 2021. I just want to give you some updates before we get to the episode. Um, If you, for those of you who haven't um, heard um, or haven't heard me in a while, um, the earth 16 comics wire has become part of the daily planet DC. So right now um, pretty much we're going to be doing a lot of joint earth 16 comics wire daily planet um, DC um, episodes I've already have a couple of them posted on YouTube, which I actually plan to convert to audio um, audio versions as well. So I'm really excited to be a part of the Daily Planet. I also write for them too, as well. I usually write mostly comics and a lot of pro wrestling too. So hopefully, in the future, you may have a pro wrestler on, um, whether it's from WWE or perhaps AEW or Impact Wrestling. Um, yeah, I would definitely. That's definitely my goal right now is to have a wrestler on this talk. Anything about pro wrestling, just like we talk about, and of course, comic books too, because this is the Earth Sixteen Comics Wire where all comics are celebrated. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much um the plans going forward, and I'm really excited um for this year. So, having said all that, um, I'm really excited to be introducing to you the audio version of uh, my interview with David Pepos. I've actually had him on the podcast before, where we talked about his. Um, comic the OZ which is a unique version of the Wizard of Oz and it takes place in our timeline or in our time actually where it's in is told in perspective of Dorothy Gale's um, granddaughter who's also named Dorothy and she ends up in Oz and she's a war veteran she fought in the uh, war in Iraq so to see in that perspective is really interesting and to see Oz as a war zone if you haven't checked out that comic I you know I challenge you to do so. I, I totally, t- I, you know, I totally recommend that you read that comic. Uh, it's a real masterpiece, just like um, the comic that we're going to talk about in this episode, um, called Scout's Honor. Dave Post wrote an interesting comic, a really amazing comic, which I felt was the bridesmaid, um, the handmaid's. Excuse me, not bridesmaid. The the handmaid's tale meets Road Warrior, Mad Max meets Judge Dredd it's a it's a real masterpiece and um i recommend that you go to your local comic book store and purchase it or you can go to aftershockcomics.com as well and check it out it's a real cool comic so in this episode we're going to listen to the audio version of the interview i have with david pet on youtube and twitch so it's a real cool um conversation we had um i hope to have david pet on again in the future he's a total amazing writer and you know, totally cool guy to talk to. So without further ado, here is the episode. Enjoy.
1: yeah back on the Earth-16 Comics Wire. And in this um, podcast, we're going to be talking about his latest comic on Aftershock called Scout's Honor. Hi. Uh... Go ahead. How you been?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here, excited to catch up and, uh, yeah, excited to chat with you about my new book.
1: Yeah. I got to tell you, man, when I read your book, um, not to spoil it though, but it was just, it was, it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it.
2: Thank you. Uh, no, that, 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 that means a lot. Um, yeah, Scout's Honor. It's, it's a book that's been in the works for a really long time. Uh, for those who, who don't know what the, the book is about, it's, uh, it's kind of like The Postman meets Mulan. Um, it's uh, about after a nuclear war, a cult has risen from the ashes and their Bible is an old Boy Scout manual. Um, so our series follows Kit, who's kind of the embodiment of, uh, everything good about the Ranger Scouts of America, this sort of survivalist cult that has, uh, uh, tried to withstand the Colorado Badlands. There's just one problem. Uh, it's a very hyper-masculine society that only allows men to serve. And so Kit has had to conceal her identity as a woman, uh, in order to pursue her true calling as a Ranger Scout, uh. Kid is going to make a pretty chilling discovery uh, about the Ranger Scouts in our first issue. And that's going to be kind of the emotional journey of this series. This is going to be about how she really finds herself losing her religion in a way. And what does she replace that with? How does she get to maintain her ethical and spiritual values while navigating the human side of the institution, which can be uh, you know, sinister or maybe even corrupt? Um, it's, it's a story that I, I think is a little prescient to, to today's, uh, uh, the world we live in. Uh, I certainly didn't expect to be writing a post-apocalyptic book during lockdown uh, of 2020, but you know that's, that's the way the world, w- world works. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a, an action-packed book. It's a really uh, surprisingly kind of fun book. Um, and I think despite the sort of post-apocalyptic setting, I think it's one of the most hopeful books I've written. Um, and it's certainly, in in a lot of ways, perhaps the most personal and autobiographical. So I, I'm very excited. It's been a long time coming, and I'm very excited for it to uh, for everybody else to finally get to read it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I read it, I thought it was really, you know, when I first read it, I had to admit, like, I saw like elements from a Handmaiden's Tale, and also um, Judge Dread. I saw a little bit of Road Warrior. Mad yeah. Max. Sure. Um, I, you know, you'll probably see that in my review that I wrote, like I've, um, I saw a lot of those elements and just how, um, basically this whole society that they built is like based on patriarchy and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: how they, how they, um, focus on, you know, the six laws of, um, the Ranger scouts This is to protect uh, women, um, to actually kill the, you know, kill the infirm and like leave like the ones who are like useless. So a lot of, yeah. some eugenics there too, I would say. Kind of like yeah. the man in the high castle.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, my younger brothers were both Boy Scouts, and I was not. And so it, there was a little bit of that outside looking in. Uh, when you're in it, you know, it's all about the camaraderie, and it's about learning practical skills, and it's sort of the friendly rivalry with 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 your boys. Yeah. Um, on the outside though you know you've got the the costumes and the laws and uh you know you you don't have to squint too hard to make it look a little culty um so yeah i i think you know anybody who's ever read howard's in knows that like you know history is written by the victors and i think in this case it's very much you know it's a game of telephone what happens when that game of telephone just gets kind of cut and like, you know, what do we sort of scramble for in terms of maintaining that continuity and maintaining that history? Um, that was kind of the idea of a cult. What's the weirdest thing that could be a Bible? In this case, a Boy Scout manual. Um, and that was sort of the, the snowball effect for the rest of the series. You know, at the same time, um, while it's certainly an anti-cult book, I don't – I wouldn't say it's necessarily an anti-religion book. Um, oh, no. It's, it, it's, it's funny because I feel like this book – In certain ways is a little autobiographical Um, I I don't talk about it a lot because it doesn't usually pop up in my work but I was raised in a very conservative both religiously and politically um, Jewish household in the Midwest and it wasn't until I left home that I really kind of had my real kind of spiritual and political reawakening it I realized oh all these things that I took for granted all these things that I assumed as fact no, there's a whole other way of looking at the world, and it does not take much to kind of flip your whole worldview on its axis. Um, and when you know, once once you've seen things, it can't be unseen. And so that was what went into a lot of the development of the Ranger Scout religion uh, in Scouts Honor. Like you were saying, things like the Seven Scout Laws. Um, you know, uh, saying you know uh, a Scout must always show mercy. What does that look like in a post-apocalyptic world? That might mean exactly. giving somebody a quick death. Or you shall always obey your scoutmaster. That's based on an actual Boy Scout rule, is obey your scoutmaster. It's not hard for that to get twisted. Um, yeah. That, yeah, totally. There's just a lot of fun iconography and imagery to the Boy Scouts that I think lends itself to that religious element. Uh, you know, the merit badges sort of being seen as a little bit almost of like a communion. Uh, you know, it's it's sort of as you get older and as you take on these more practical skills, you get the merit badges. And it's also a way for your brothers-in-arms to kind of see what skills everybody's bringing to the table just by looking at them. Uh, we have things like archery and wilderness survival, but even more exotic skills like explosives and tactical driving. And, know, that was really cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, a really fun thing about that actually is Aftershock is doing an offer. uh, Every single cover that we are selling, if you order more than 20 of them, you will get um, a, a unique Ranger Scout merit badge. Uh, stores can get that to give to their customers as, as, as a promo item. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Um, anybody who picks up our first issue, I have written backstories for every single one of these merit badges and they will be available uh, if your store orders 20 or more copies. Um, so yeah, it's just um, it's, it was kind of fun kind of building out the world through the, the prism of this Boy Scout cult. Um, and the idea of kit she's not the type who's immediately railing against this. This is how she was raised. She's a true believer in a lot of ways. Um, She's a true believer, except for one important thing, which is, you know, she's, it's the the conflict of being sort of one of the best scouts there is, but also sort of something inherent to her that would be disqualifying for her uh, to even serve in the first place. I think a lot of this series is about secrets just as much as it is toxic masculinity it's how secrets they're corrosive and i thought it would be some interesting it, it it would be an interesting emotional headspace to have a lead character who she's always a little bit guarded there's always she can't truly kind of be herself and uh you know contrasting that with sort of the religion that she's grown up with and finding out that maybe not everything's on the up and up. Um, it, it really is, like I said, it is a story about losing your religion, and it's figuring out, what are you gonna put in, that, in its place? Uh, how are you gonna kind of orient the world um, and sort of navigate that ethically and spiritually and morally? Um, that's gonna be something that Kit is really gonna have to wrestle with over the course of this series, and, uh, you know, growing up in the post-apocalyptic uh, badlands of Colorado, it's certainly not going to make it any easier for her. Oh, no.
1: And um, the thing, of, I mean, really interesting thing about, like, Kit is just that I noticed that she has this rivalry with Dez, um, mm-hmm. her friend. And I feel like that's going to really, really play a huge role in the um, series as it um, as it progresses. Like, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: You know,
2: I, I feel like... So um
1: yeah, Kit
2: and and we'll get into this a little bit more as the series progresses. Um she was brought into this society pretty young. Um so she's grown up, just you know, this is this is how I want to live my life. Uh, her best friend Des is the son of the Scoutmaster, who's kind of the political and religious leader of this cult. And um he's sort of the Loki to Kit's Thor in a lot of ways, um, yeah. in that. You know he's grown up with this intense scrutiny, but he always comes up second. And it's as as the series as we we meet him, you know they're already sort of they're best for enemies. Uh, you know uh, there's a little bit of a rivalry starting to 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 brew. Um, but you know I every time I've written Des, he's been kind of my favorite character in the series in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, there's something you can't help but feel for this kid. Um, you know, in, in that he's constantly looking for approval and affection from his father, who is going to hold him to a much higher standard than even these scouts that they're throwing into all sorts of danger at any one time. Um, you know, the thing is, is that the 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 basis of the society is it's, it's toxic masculinity. And if you think things are bad enough for Kit, um, but as the series progresses, we will see things are not great for Dez either. Uh, He's got some secrets of his own. And those secrets and the fact that Kit and Dez, while being best friends, do not know crucial details about each other. um, That is really going to sort of turn what has been kind of a slow build of a rivalry. It's going to make it run hot real fast. Um, And so Kit and Dez's kind of, the 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 spiraling of their friendship really it marks kind of the spine of our book in a lot of ways, um, but I I I really Dez is not kind of a mustache twirl- twirling kind of villain. Uh, I think we establish pretty well why he is who he is and what could sort of curdle that friendship. Um, and he's kind of a tragic character and uh, one that. I always have really enjoyed every time he pops up on the page. Um, I think his story, while sort of secondary to Kit's long journey of the soul, is something that I think is really compelling. And I think uh, winds up providing a nice counterpoint to Kit's journey and her navigating of the Scout uh, Society. Because as we're going to find out, it's not all roses for him either. And he's got every reason to sort of feel a little conflicted the way the, the uh, uh, in his place in the society,
1: you know, like when I, when I saw that dynamic between Kit and Des, like it reminded me a whole lot of Clark Kent and Lex Luthor in Smallville. Just sure, that, you know, Lex Luthor trying to get the approval of his father, but then ultimately, you know, his father just shunning him away. Ultimately, it, beco- it becomes sort of Luther's, like, I mean, on um, Lionel's Achilles heel. Um, yeah, because basically Lex turns on him and kills his father. And,
2: yeah, you it's know, you know that's it's a great parallel i you know it's funny i haven't i haven't thought about it, that show in ages but you're dead on i mean it's 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 tragic you know um when you're living under a taskmaster that can't accept you that doesn't that you know that that can't even sort of take your small victories and and appreciate them and i understand how that is you know uh, you know that's the thing about Scouts honor that I think is kind of fun Is even the villains have I think pretty strong motivations Um you know Scoutmaster Shepard who's in charge of this cult Um you know If it's between sort of this Survivalist always be prepared Dogma and Oblivion He knows which side he's gonna be on And that means that he's gonna be pushing His scouts uh kind of To the breaking point at times Um you know, he thinks that he's doing this for civilization. You know, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's got the weight of history on his shoulders, but it doesn't make it any easier for the people under him. Um, and so, Kit and Des, I think, are gonna—they're gonna break away from the scout traditions in very, very different directions. Um, but you know, that's sort of—that's the generational aspect of it all. Um, you know, I I said, I grew up in a pretty, uh, conservative Jewish household and I, am still a practicing Jew. Um, it's sort of my way of kind of throwing a penny in the well of the universe and kind of connecting with my heritage and and, and my ancestors and the people who died who weren't, who aren't able to do this sort of thing. But my spiritual journey is very different than that of my parents, which is very different than that of their parents. And I think that's just, you know, that's, 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 that's the cycle that we all go through. And, uh, I think that's something that really plays out in scouts honor um, is sort of this idea of, I have these values. How do I make them my own? How do I navigate the world while still remaining true to the way I was raised while still also kind of slowly parsing out? Like these are the things that don't work. These are the things that really kind of run up. They run counter to just intrinsically who I am. Um, and also kind of figuring out like, oh, if you're raised with this sort of sunny view of your society, and then find out, oh no, we've been responsible for some bad stuff. How do you reconcile that? Okay, uh, how indeed? Yeah. You know, and, and like that
1: through history.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough. Um it's it's I think it's ongoing journey for a lot of us. And uh, I think that's kind of one of the big differences uh, between Kit and most of the other protagonists that I've written in in my previous books is I usually write characters that have been kind of marinating in their trauma for a while. Um, You know, uh, Detective Locke from Spencer and Locke, uh, Dorothy Gale from the O.Z., even uh, Emily Anderson from Going to the Chapel. They all have had things happen in their past. And by the time we meet them, that's kind of defined them in a big way. Kit, despite growing up uh, in like the worst in the worst upbringing out of all of them, she's actually pretty well adjusted. Um, We get to see her trauma kind of unfold in real time. We get to watch her kind of get her legs cut out from underneath her, and then very quickly have to figure out on the fly, like, oh my god, what? Like, did I see what I thought I saw? Like, is this true? Like, how do I confirm any of this? it's, you know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that goes on um, in her journey, and I think that's natural. I think that's what it takes, you know, when you kind of get the rug pulled out from underneath you. You have to reorient, and then that can kind of become a journey in and of itself.
1: Yeah, and, like, that's one of the things that, you know, we go back, like in our like in our previous conversation, with how we talked about, like, how most of your characters are you know, they experienced some form of trauma and like Spencer and Locke and like Dorothy from the OC, I actually recently read that comic. I have to say that was, it was a mighty awesome comic too. Thank Um, you. Just seeing like how Dorothy is destined to be this um, huge presence in Oz, just like her grandmother was. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, um, I see a lot of trauma in Des. I mean, the fact that he has to, you know, he's... In the pressure just to be just like his father you know and yeah. you even see I even read some of the um the comp here's a cool thing about the comic also another cool thing about the comic it has like it tells you it has like in the back like what each of these um, merit badges or these medals yep. mean yep. and like it's written in the point of view of Thomas Shepard his dad Yep. and you can tell that he has such you know you know he he's just really disappointed in his son in that you know, you can tell that Dez isn't, I don't think, you know, personally for me, I don't think Dez really is cut out to be a Ranger Scout. Like, I don't know if he really wants to do it. Like, he probably just wants to live life like a regu- like a normal teenage boy and drive cars and, yep. you know, work on machines. And, you know, he even commented on that, though. But then you can tell he it just makes his blood boil because he's just like, you know, like, I you know, I don't understand. This is my progency. Like, he's supposed to be yeah. just like me. And I think yep. we see a lot of that in parents too, where, you know, you know, if you're, you know, if, you know, with parents, they want their kids to be a lot like them. And in a sense, kids are a reflection of their parents, but at the same yeah. time though, there comes that point in time where the kid just deviates and decides to, you know what, I'll, maybe I want to go on my own. Maybe I want to be my own person, you know. And it goes back to what and, you were saying, like how, you know, the old ways just don't work anymore.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it's, 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 parents don't, just don't understand. Um, like the yeah, I, I, song. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, and it's tough because it's one yeah. of those things, you know, if this was, if this was in the world that we live in right now, it's a little easier to say like, oh, like, you know, there's room to say, well, maybe you can kind of go off and try your own thing. Um, because, you know, we're not living in like a post-apocalyptic wasteland where like if you don't, you know, if, if if you don't sort of toe the line, you might be kicked out of the compound. You might be eaten by a gamma bore you know, like it's very life or death yeah. in terms of kind of hewing to these sort of survival tactics. And that's another th- reason why I think I went with the boy scout manual and why I went with a post-apocalyptic setting. Cause I, you know, I, I, I joked that uh, in another interview that I was like, I could have done a D and D manual, but it would have been a much shorter book. Um, it's that I, you know, it's, it's uh self-fulfilling in a way when you live your life with these, these survival tactics and it's all about, you know, what can we do to sort of conquer the wastelands? Um, those that is a survival tactic in a way. It's it 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 builds in its own reward. Um, anybody who sort of sticks their 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 foot out, you know, they get hit. And so it's it's there's a lot of pressure to kind of stay within the lines of this pretty rigid society. Um, but it's not something that can last forever. Um, you know, eventually something's got to give. And I think in this case, it's sort of when you learn how the sausage is made, um, you know, so to speak. Um, That's when you kind of realize you can't look at it the same way again. And I think that's very much it's like history, you know, Um, you know, history can be a game of telephone and that can be really reinforcing of certain myths and certain whitewashing of the truth. And it's sort of, but once you've, once somebody ch- sort of chimes in and says, well, you know, this other horrible stuff happened as a result, uh, you know, you're, you, you can't look at it the same way again. I mean, uh, you know, I feel like you could take uh, Columbus Day as, as, as an example, or you yeah. could take. Um, the, the the Catholic priest scandals, which was another big in, inspiration behind this book. Um, my my partner was raised Catholic and she is no longer a part of the church. And it was because of that. It's like, how do you, yeah. yeah. It's like, how do you, you know, sort of stay a part of an institution that has sort of kept so much horrific stuff under the rug? Um, So the, yeah, you know, it's, there's a lot of that kind of, dissonance and just figuring out like where do I go from here and still remain an ethical and moral person and also how do you live your life without throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um you, you know I think as Kit kind of moves through this series, she'll some things will be reaffirmed for her and other things will be really thrown in doubt. Um but I think at the end of the day she still believes. Um, and I think that's kind of an important part of this book in, and I think that's something that kind of keeps her. She's certainly the most optimistic character I've ever written, which is weird in a post-apocalyptic book. Um, (laughs) but like, I think ultimately she still believes that there's, there are better days ahead of us. Um, and, in, in a lot of ways she kind of is fighting for them. And I think that's something that's uh that's admirable and that's something that I, I think we, we all could stand to do.
1: Absolutely, I agree. And um, I was gonna, you know, say too that um what was I thinking? It kinda reminds me a lot of like what my sister told me too one time about like the Catholic scandals and all of that, like you mentioned, you know like yeah. it happens in every institution. Like you, you have to really think about it. Like every institution has a dark side, something that they swept under the rug that they don't want to know. Like they don't want anyone to know about. And look at Nexium for example. You know, with Keith Raniere. I mean, this was something that many people thought would help the world. Many people thought it would help themselves. Sure. Lo and behold, you know, there's news about this guy that comes out saying that he's done stuff to women and you know under you know underage girls and it's just really sad and it's just yeah it really it really rocks your world and you know especially with sarah edmondson with how you know i read her book too called scarred and when i read her book i just saw her as someone who just wanted to you know deep down she wanted to help people but then lo and behold just imagine you know being in her shoes and you know one day you know some a friend of yours that you trust so much in that organization says Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get branded and all that, and it just yeah, damn yeah, you know it's
2: it's it's you know it's a little bit like the 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 frog you know being boiled in water water, you know where it's like you start kind of small and, and you sort of build your way up and I think that is that is a lot about that that is a lot to do with this book I mean it's like it's it's one thing if today I gave you a Boy Scout manual and said. You know, we're starting a religion. You'd look at me like I had two heads. Yeah. But you know, uh, we show in our very first scene um, survivors from the nuclear war, and they have hold up in this. It, they 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 have emerged from the Ranger Scout bunker, and it becomes self-fulfilling where it's sort of like, okay, why did we survive? Well, it's by virtue of we were scouts, and then you know when you jump a few hundred years in the future well you know it's it's uh it's inertia at that point it's momentum um you know the, the 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 train is already going down the tracks there's no way of stopping it and you've already sort of built that continuity now that's just how it is that's how the world works um and yeah it's so in a way it's sort of post post-apocalyptic um but, uh, you know, there are still there are reasons why the world hasn't really been rebuilt yet. And that's something that we we, we touch upon a bit as the series continues. Um, you know, the scouts, in a lot of ways, are sort of fighting for a status quo rather than sort of a full on rebuilding effort. And uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more as the series goes on.
1: Yeah, I mean, wow, I didn't really think of that myself, that, you know, that's what was kind of preventing the world from just, like, healing, in a sense, from nuclear war. And, like, how the post-apocalypse can actually, you know, sort of derail, like, just healing and even progress, in a sense. Like, all they're thinking about now is just survival of the fittest, Darwinism. Right. And, And it reminds me a lot of Walking Dead, too, where, you know. Sure everyone was just everyone even, even even like the nicely next door next door turned barbaric and just killed whoever you know came in their way whether it was you know human or walker and it was really interesting too where you know you start to see you start to see you know them at least try you know they they, they try to like rebuild civilization but then you have the saviors who come in and they're a reminder of how brutal the world is but yeah. in an odd sort of way, um, like, they, they're brutal, though, but they have, just like the Ranger Scouts, they have, like, this brutal sense of order. So they, it's, like, yeah. it's like a chaotic order, if you will.
2: Yeah, Ranger yeah Scouts. well, they're, they're also, you yeah. know, when all you have is a hammer, every problem starts to look like a nail. Yeah, And that's, a, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's <laughs> kind of their, I'd, I'd say if there's any fatal flaw, It's for a cult whose number one law is always be prepared. I still think there's a fairly narrow sense, a fairly narrow view of how they built their world. Um, And so much of it is just because, you know, things are scary out there. You know, there's all sorts of monsters and uh, and that's not even including uh, the highwaymen uh, who are sort of this group of raiders that have been sort of picking off. The highwaymen, uh, yeah you know picking off uh, uh small villages that haven't incorporated with the scouts um and so there's a lot you know i mean it's it, there's there's a lot to survive but i think sometimes that means you can kind of get trapped in a cycle of you know you're you're sort of constantly on the back foot and you're constantly sort of dealing with symptoms rather than an underlying condition and um you know, that might be something that, you know, as Kit makes her discovery, you know, that could that that may jolt some other things uh, uh, out of the shadows. Um But yeah, I mean, it's ultimately kind of comes down to sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes it's blinding. Um, sometimes it's really disorienting. And the thing is, is that like once you knock down one domino, other dominoes start to fall.
1: Things start to make uh, sense,
2: in know. A- things start to make sense but you know it's also like there's no going back there's no unringing the bell and sometimes there's a cost to it that you can't take back and so you know kit's journey through all this um it's gonna come at a cost for sure
1: oh yeah and i think too like her her role's just gonna be rocked too because you know i mean for a while she's following this whole order this religious you know patriarchy that she's actually taken a part of and that's ironically against her in a sense because after all she's a female yeah and you know i feel that um it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a real huge revelation just like you know it's funny like what you know you can learn so much by watching star wars and i've noticed too like as i've gotten older just how you know, how very rigid the Jedi were. Like, there were, you know, that's pretty much why the Jedi fell, because they were so rigid. They were so set in their ways, just like, sure. you know, they weren't, you know, there's they like no attachments. I'm like, okay, you know, no attachments. But then, you know, you compared the Jedi to the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Mandalorians are all about family. They're all about, you know, sticking together as a unit. Right. Like, that's why the Mandalorians, I mean, despite, you know, them kind of being a little extinct, kind of like the Jedi, I mean, there's... They still find some way to stick together because, you know, they don't, you know, they're they they they're not against attachment. And we seen... I don't know if you've seen The Mandalorian, though, but, you know, there's a... There's, just season uh, one. Well, in season two, it, it, it kind of delves into that, especially with, you know, Baby Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, you know? I mean, you really see how similar they are, but then how different they are. And you kind of you kind of question you know who's the who's more of the better you know who's more who's more you know you know what's the word for it adhesive i don't know if that's a perfect word for it though but more like a unit you know and i have to say it's the mandalorians the mandalorians you know are would probably survive more than the jedi because the jedi are says no to attachments you know this is how it's supposed to be. But the Mandalorians are like, well, wait, you know, I mean, we should, we should stick together, you know? And you see that with Mace Windu actually, who, even though he's the coolest Jedi of them all, I mean, there's a certain dark side to Mace Windu where he was just like, take a seat, young Skywalker, (laughs) like all strict and everything, which is so cold. And you think, no wonder why Anakin turns to the dark side, you know? Right. And it's this... You know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It was just, it was the Jedi's teachings that drove him insane because this, this dude, all he wanted to do was see his mother again. I mean, what's wrong with that? You know, just to yeah. make sure she's okay, just to make sure she's happy. You know, because he worked, he worked his tail off to free her, and then on top of that, he wants to, he wants to be with his wife. You know, I mean, and they say, like, oh, that's gonna le- turn to the dark side. How so? You know, right and with kit i feel like you know it she's gonna see like she's gonna you know have that same revelation like oh like that, that actually is there's nothing actually wrong with with that it's like no you know
2: yeah i mean you know it's it's that's the thing is is once you've sort of had your life kind of shaken up that way you start approaching things a little differently um you and different you know perspective yeah. And as she sort of as Kit kind of gets a little more confident in in sort of her new path, yeah, she'll she'll have a a a few moments where she kind of pushes back a little harder than you might expect. Like she'll have a
1: state of uh, denial, like sort of like the five stages of grief, if you will.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think actually that's yeah, that's that's probably You know, I hadn't I hadn't considered it that way, but uh, I do believe that we actually have the majority of the of the five stages. Um, You know, I I think uh, certainly. Yeah, I'm yeah, we definitely have, I'd say, almost all of them um, uh, in that, Um, you know, or, or if not all five, maybe four. Um, you know, but yeah, it's sort of yeah, you know, Kit's gonna cycle through some of these and um you know, not everybody's gonna be particularly thrilled with it. Uh at least the ones who survive. Oh yeah. And
1: I'm I'm really looking forward to see how Des reacts when he finds out that his best friend slash rival's a girl, you know. Like mm-hmm. he's just gonna you know, it's just gonna really like turn his world upside down because, you know, he's like I've been bested by a girl you know just think of the, think of that you know like his view you know and then like his Yeah probably would even have more reason to raise hell on him and all that
2: Yeah I mean you know it's it's sort of it's a little tragic that despite Kit and Dez being each other's best friends Yeah that there are critical things about each other that they don't know that they've sort of kept from each other Um and that kind of cuts both ways um and I think that kind of makes that friendship a little more tragic. Um, and it makes sort of the the disillusion uh, uh, of it feel a little more earned, a little more organic. Um, because it's not just any one um, incident that has, has kind of rendered them asunder, but it's really kind of an entire lifetime of choices. Um, you know, this is not... Even if Kit hadn't made her discovery... Um, this would have been a long time coming. And this, I think, I, I I strongly believe this would have happened one way or another. It just, it's an added complication when Kit's on this already very dangerous quest for the truth and her friendship kind of finally takes that final header.
1: Yeah, totally. And one thing, um, you know, one of the things I liked about... You know, I was just wondering about the story too. Was the world building? You know, what I mean, sure. are we going to see anything even beyond Colorado? Like, are we going to see like perhaps maybe Washington D.C. or maybe let's throw it out there, Canada or you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: um, we're 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 keeping it to Colorado for this series, um, partially because I didn't want to step on the the same turf as a place uh, as uh, the the Fallout franchise. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I. I I love Fallout. It it was a huge influence on this game, uh, or on this book, I should say. Um, uh, And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that, like, I was like, okay, we're not going to do Vegas. We're not going to do Washington, D.C. We're not going to do Boston. I wanted to make sure that there was a spot that had, like, its own wilderness to it. Um, And so Colorado kind of felt like the right spot um, uh, for this book. Um, Yeah, so, you know... If we ever sort of revisited the Scouts on our world and I, I you know, never say never. Um, you know, maybe there could be some room for some some extra exploration. But I think that's also kind of part of its charm in that uh, you know, they are sort of the, the the Ranger Scouts are kind of the biggest fish in what is still a fairly self-contained pond. Yeah. Uh, you know it, it, it's sort of, you know, I kind of like to leave it up to the reader's imagination for how bad the rest of the world might look. That's uh, the and, of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of it really does feed into sort of this conservative evangelical thinking and that I think often runs counter to sort of this big globalized look at the world. This is this is kind of a small town story in a way. Um, and I think by virtue of the apocalypse Everything's been a little bit atomized. Um, you know, the United States aren't really a thing anymore. Um, oh, no. you know, some, some of some of the the values, the exceptionalism, the uh, individualism might still be there. But um, I think spiritually, there's a lot of things that have persisted. But I think the idea of unification, um the Scouts really kind of see themselves on their own. And they're trying their best to kind of defend any small towns that haven't joined up, but it's still, yeah. I, I think the idea of keeping the setting fairly limited in a way I think was, uh, was certainly by design.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that too. It's just, um, it creates a sense of closure, which is really awesome. Like, you know, you kind of reader kind of uses her imagination to see what the, a, at least an idea of what the whole world is like, you know. Yeah. And, and perhaps if there are similar societies, even you know.
2: Maybe. Uh, you know, I I, I I always have ideas in my back pocket. Um, you know, and and, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, Kit's story feels self-contained to me. Um, I I never want to pursue sequels if there's no reason to. Um, exactly. But I I I think ultimately. This really, for me, feels like the story about her journey. Um, it's sort of her kind of coming to grips with her religious beliefs. Uh, we just happen to get some really fun Boy Scout stuff uh, thrown in for good measure. And uh, I think, you know, to, to go back to what you're saying about the world building, I think that that Boy Scout imagery made the world building so much more fun. Um, you know, down from the uh, the the scout laws, uh, which uh, you know those are inspired by actual Boy Scout laws, uh, things like the merit badges. Um, yeah. We have a fun we have a fun bit um that we uh, we introduced later on in the series um about the the Ranger Scout signature weapons, there's the switchblade. And that. yeah it's kind of you know that's sort of how like the game of of telephone has kind of warped history a bit. Where, you know, we see switchblades, we think, you know, like a Swiss Army knife or something. And uh, meanwhile, these Boy Scouts have created these, like, giant buster swords that have, like, individual, like, sub-blades inside the main mate- blade. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, that's what the original Boy Scouts had. Uh, you know, they had, you know, a blade to to rip up armor and a blade to, like, you know, uh, to, to a corkscrew blade or maybe a, a fire-starting flamethrower component to a blade. Um, that's sort of their ultimate kind of coming of age. Like if you get a switchblade, then like you are the real deal. Um, and so, uh, yes, we will, we will have a switchblade fight, uh, in this series. Um, uh, it's just, um... yeah, it's just, you know, the idea of sort of it mutating beyond any concept of what it used to be of what it really was. Um, and of course, like sort of, you know, bigger, you know, bigger and better. I don't think we're particularly subtle in terms of the toxic masculinity implications of that one. Um, I feel like that was really fun in sort of, you know, figuring out, like I said, I grew up Jewish. It's, uh, you know, it's a religion based on literary criticism. Um, you know, you have five different rabbis saying five different things about the same passage and that, you know, we still take all that apocryphal uh, knowledge and we, you know, Some people live their lives by it and some people say it's nonsense and there's like a wide spectrum. Um, And bringing the religious elements to this sort of Boy Scout imagery and the post-apocalyptic imagery, that was really fun. Um, You'll see a lot of it in the back matter in our first issue, but even elements like what's an Eagle Scout look like in the society? Um, Stay tuned for issue three. We'll get into it. Um, you know Sort of the, the idea of That there's a greater meaning To all of this um, That it's not it's not just a bomb For example But it's a symbol of change And it's also a symbol of humility And a symbol of, of uh, Preparedness Because if you don't respect the bomb You could be the thing That gets consumed next um, It was really kind of fun Fleshing it out that way and, um, yeah, and I, I feel like that really kind of lends a nice degree of texture to the rest of the world that I think uh, artist Luca Casalinguida uh, from uh, James Bond and Lost Soldiers, I think he did a really uh, magnificent job in bringing all that to life.
1: That's really, yeah, that's really, I mean, you know, awesome. And, you know, the fact that, you know... I, you know, you mentioned the fact that you were, you were you were raised Jewish, and you know, for me, like I was, you know, I was raised Christian, and you know, so uh, there I do see some similarities too, like with, you know, just going back to the whole practicing, you know, how some people do practice, you know, Christianity. Yeah. And there's some who don't. Um yeah. And you know, for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, there, we you know, we read the Bible, and then there are different versions of stories in the new testament um of what happened like there's different accounts and yeah. how it's a reminder too that even you know in itself the bible itself is not you know it you know it's a good book though but it's not the perfect book you know I mean, right just like the same thing with you know the torah or even the same thing with this ranger's manual yeah you know it's not it was written by man you know
2: yeah yeah and i think and, you know, go ahead we we we, we actually, it's, I'm glad you said that because that's something else that kind of looms large over the world of Scout's Honor is, um, you know, this Ranger Scout manual, it was, it was written by a man. And um, Dr. Jefferson Hancock, who was sort of the founder yeah. of the Ranger Scout tradition, um, you know, he's been sort of elevated in the, in the, in the centuries after the war as sort of this Messiah prophet figure. Um, you know, it's sort of what would Dr. Hancock do? And there's a lot of stuff that's carried on in his name uh, in this. And uh, I think he looms pretty large over every character of this. For somebody who's been long dead, um, he sure has a big impact um, on, on the plot and also on every single character in this book. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny how you can kind of deify somebody you've never met. And be sort of so uh, thirsty for their approval and sort of, you know, living your life the way that you think they would live their lives. And that can be both a positive and a negative. Um, You know, sometimes that can be a really strong ethical bearing, you know, uh, for your moral compass. But other times that can really kind of put the blinders on you and can really kind of justify some pretty heinous stuff. you know that people will say, "Well, you know, I'm just doing what my what my uh, messiah would have wanted." Um, I'm sure we've seen a lot of dead I've people over the years. Yeah. Uh, you know, w- uh, with with rhetoric like that. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's sort of uh, it's it, it's one of those things. That I think you know, despite the world having changed in a big way in the course of this series, um, history still seems to rhyme, and we still seem to have found. Ways to kind of fill in the old gaps uh, with maybe something a little bit new that still fulfills the same roles uh, of yesteryear.
1: Yeah, and it's just a reminder too that history often repeats itself. You know, what I mean, yeah. like it sometimes it resets too, and like we've seen it, you know, with the Ranger Scouts. How funny that, or I wouldn't say funny though, but it was just really crazy how 267 years later, I think it was 267 years or 260 that this comic it takes place like centuries into the future and it's crazy how they managed just to like you know despite those many years of just growing like they have not like done anything to perfect their world or to like you know build you know rebuild civilization or you know manufacturing it's just there's just nothing but like just you know i think it's like barbarism if you will yeah
2: yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's like on the one hand, you know, Rome was built in the day. And, you know, even with sort of the scraps of the old world, um, it's tough, you know, like they've sort of, the, the scouts have kind of made themselves, they're approaching stability but they're still not like a hundred percent there. And they certainly are not in a position that they can sort of invest in infrastructure at this point, or sort of a, 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 the, the deeper scientific innovations that would be needed to kind of get us out of these dark ages. And it really is they're in the dark ages at this point. Um, they're sort of back to this kind of foraging yeah. hunter gathering kind of, you know, uh, society. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh yeah there's there's just um they're still trying to find some meaning out of all of it, which is something that I, I think yeah. um again, it kind of speaks to the small town nature of this series, uh, yeah. you know um in in that there's something noble about it. There is something noble about kind of they haven't been able to sort of rebuild the world yet, but they've at least been able to sort of build a small home for themselves and a, and, a, and a small religion and a small code of how to live their lives. It's just, um, you know, everybody's got secrets, and some of them are a little more explosive than others.
1: Well, I mean, I'll bet, because, it, you know, it goes back to, like, how it reminds me of The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I haven't really read the book or saw the show, but, you know, in the show, you would notice that the women are just, you know, their their bank accounts are frozen, um, yeah. they they get they get their whole lives taken away from them to the snap of a finger and yeah. there are you know just they are they are basically you know reduced to doing like you know being housewives or other other stuff you know other other you know like you know other things and it's just you know and and you see like uh you, you just see the how the world changes when you know they're taken out of the picture you know I mean I feel I feel like it just I mean, a woman is a yin to a man's yang. You know, I mean, they have to work together in a sense, you know, in order to sure. make the whole world work. But you know, in this world, it's like again, just like just like with Scout's honor, um, the world of Scout's honor, it's just male dominated, and yeah, you you see it so much with you yeah. know the Handmaid's Tale, like you know, you see the, you see like the the Washington Monument is like erected into a cross and yeah it's just terrifyingly beautiful but it's terrifying it's just like whoa. yeah and it's it, scouts honor you know works like scouts honor works like Hansman me man's Tale, even walking dead are to me it's like a warning of like what can happen sure you know what i can really go down
2: yeah i mean i give uh, aftershock a lot of credit um this book was very different development-wise than anything I've worked on in the past. Um, most of the books I've, I've worked on previously, you know, I've I've sort of, I've been laser focused on that particular book and I've sort of, I've put together my creative teams and, and kind of, you know, a lot certain publishers like Image or Action Lab, for example, you know, you put together your team, you put together your outline, you you sort of, you got one shot at this and it's a thumbs up, thumbs down. But um, a place like Aftershock or Boom, they, they actually want to help kind of develop and steer the ship a little bit in terms of of, of putting together a story that everybody is into and so um, I had sent them a bunch of log lines um, with different ideas and Scouts Honor was the one that they immediately kind of zeroed in on and was like yeah I want you to develop that one let's see what this thing looks like and I give them a lot of credit because I think they realized that this thing really kind of touched upon a lot of themes in that that our country is going through um, and I didn't, I don't think I realized it until I was sort of scripting it and realizing like, oh yeah, like we do live in, in a, a, a society that is sort of, you know, driven by this toxic masculinity it's not and, yeah. you know, and, and, and has this sort of, uh, you know, military survivalist fetishism going on and kind of the, the, uh, the, the rise of sort of this evangelical way of thinking. And this uh, and, and sort of the, the, the dismissing of critical thought and higher education, um, you know, that's you put it all together and you let it curdle for, uh, you know, a, a few hundred years, uh, maybe add in a nuclear war somewhere. It's not too far off from, you know, we could see something like Scout's honor. And um, yeah. but, you know, I will say the, the other thing, I, I certainly had my own concern about um, doing a post apocalyptic story in 2020. Um, I, I pitched this book about a year and a half ago, but we didn't sign the final paperwork until two weeks before everything shut down. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I was like, kind of, what kind of energy do I want to put in the world? And I'm glad that I went through it. I, I feel like I kind of wrote through a lot of my anxieties and, and fears. Um, while writing this book And I realized that it's not About the bleak high concept My book starts that way That's the concept But the book is about How you work your way out How you work your way through doubt How you kind of get through that redemptive arc and, and, and finally turn a corner And by the end of the book I was like, oh yeah Like, you know I believe in happy endings still Like, we do turn a corner Oh yeah, and. I think, you know, now that this book is coming out, you know, we're, we're going to see a new administration, uh, you know, we're, we got a vaccine, like, you know, we're able to kind of turn the corner. And I think by the time that this series ends, I'm hoping that we will have turned a corner, um, uh, that we'll sort of collectively have all kind of worked our way out. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's, uh, I think a challenging struggle for anybody who's had to stay inside for the last nine months, anybody who's lost anybody to COVID, anybody who's lost their job or their house. Um, and uh, it's, not something, it's not something that we fix overnight, um, and it's not something that we fix without losses, but I still believe that we can fix things. I still believe we can turn a corner, and I feel like that's something that does come out. In my work, um, both Scott's honor and the Oz and Spencer and Locke, is I still I still believe in happy endings, and I still believe there's one in store for all
1: of us. Totally, man. I, I also believe in happy endings too. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the story, I mean, I definitely um, enjoyed the art done by. Um, it was the art was done by I believe his name was Luca Casalonguita. yeah. Casalanguida and also Matt Miller doing the colors. Yeah. I mean, the colors really did match the mood of the story i feel it was just like you know yeah you know, it was going to be a serious story and one of my favorite scenes and i wrote this in like the review too was sure. just that one of my favorite scenes was like sort of like the um it was a lot of action-to-action sequences um but yeah. um one of them was like the aspect to aspect sequence i think in which it showed like the um the rangers coming out um of hiding and like yeah setting a foothold into the world that they once knew and like reestablishing it in their own image yep like, i thought that was really awesome showing the Thank American you. flag all yeah you're welcome and like with holes in it, it yeah symbolize that you know america has like i mean it, it's been beaten down but it's not quite you know it's it's the not ghost like, is still there it's still there i mean at least the, go- the ghost of america is still yeah there. You know, um, I, I thank you for saying that, by the way, that
2: uh, and, and I don't think I'm spoiling too much. Yeah, our, our opening scene, I, I think CBR had it uh, as a preview. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, it's funny because that scene, I had written it as a draft version. Um, again, first time working with Aftershock, um, I did not know how much wiggle room I would have for particular decisions or choices. And so I the first issue I wrote, I think, five different versions of that script um, just in case, uh, you know, somebody didn't like it or in case, you know, there, there needed to be something else to be done. And, yeah, the idea of sort of starting with this American flag and then kind of realizing, like, oh, nope, this is like a tattered American flag. and Oh, what's behind that? And, oh, things are not good. And, oh, yeah. there are survivors pulling themselves out of a bunker and it's been locked for how many years? Uh, what is going on? You know, that, I thought that was like kind of a fun way to drop everybody into it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, Luca and, and Matt and, and our letterer, Carlos Miguel, um, Carlos they're well, both yeah. they're, they're – there they're is a really terrific team. Uh, my, my editors, uh, Christina Harrington and Mike Martz, um, match made this book, uh, match made our creative team, which was new for me. That was a first for me. Um, it was a really good learning curve for me. I think it was really helpful and educational for me. Um, because I'm used to being the sole editorial <laughs> conduit on stuff. Um, I'm used to sort of, I'm the one kind of taking point in everything. And I'm, I got to tell the, 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 the artist colors and the color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, this, I was not, I, I was working with actual professional editors who, you know, they, they have a, a vision just as much as I do. And it's figuring out like, okay, how do we bring these two visions together to make sure that both of them are kind of elevated. Um, and so for me, you know, there's an element of learning, like, how do I kind of write in a way that I get to measure twice and cut once because Luca has better things to do than worrying about all my tweaks? You know, like, how do I pick my battles and how do I make sure that I can sort of tee the ball up for Luca to knock it out of the park as, as well as he has? Um, Luca's terrific. I, it's funny. I had actually reached out to Luca years ago about a different project and uh he was uh, uh justifiably busy on uh james bond over at dynamite um oh, and he just comics were good. Yeah. yeah yeah he's he's terrific uh, and uh he's just got a book that just wrapped uh an yeah. image called lost soldiers uh with Ash Kott. um so luca had was was figuring out his next gig and had come up had popped up on Aftershock's radar. And Aftershock was was like, this guy's amazing. You should really check him out. And I'm so glad we went with him. Um Luca, he's a very versatile artist. Um he's able to kind of really switch gears between this very clean, thoughtful style, um, you know, because Kit, you know, she's gonna be spending a lot of time kind of thinking like, oh, like what's going on here? But the moment we sort of crank things up into action, it's like the shadows pick up. Things get a lot more jagged. Um, you know, It it, it you, you remember quickly, oh, this is a post-apocalyptic world. And like Kit, despite being like a little naive, is like one tough customer. Um, and so, yeah, Luca, you know, his style, it, it is that kind of very classic Italian style. Um, and he just, yeah, I mean, it, it's really just immaculate work. And I, 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 uh, I can't praise him enough. Um, he's he's just he's he's really incredible, and I, I hope to work with him again in the future. And uh, Matt is 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 a funny story because, um, and I think we spoke about this when we were talking about the OZs. That I'm a big colorist snob, huge colorist snob. I feel like uh, good art makes or breaks a comic, but good colors make or break the art. And uh, I remember uh, Christina uh, Harrington, my editor. Bringing up Matt as a potential colorist, and I distinctly remember saying, "Wait, are we allowed to do that?" Um, You know, Matt's Mm -hmm. terrific. If you've ever seen his work on Daredevil with Ron Garney, it's just really next level stuff. And uh, he's Matt's also just a sweetheart. Um, You know, really just couldn't be more fun to work with. Um, Having gotten my comps from AfterShock, I can tell you Matt's colors look even better in print than they do in digital um you know i i just talk about kind of like an embarrassment of riches um you know when it comes to 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 my creative team um yeah i feel like matt has like a certain energy that he puts into his work um i remember distinctly talking with him and being like you know i want to make sure everybody knows that this is a post-apocalyptic world like this is sort of a radioactive wasteland and so the way that he kind of throws in you know uh, like a hint of green or a hint of maroon, like there's something yeah. off about this world. Um, and Carlos Manguel, I want to give him a shout out as well because, you know, I I think he really he did some really cool stuff with the lettering in this book. I'm I've always been, you know, and I think this is probably to my detriment. As i was, I've there's a lot of people who say you know the best lettering is invisible, you know. And I think Carlos really kind of made me rethink that. Um, He added this really kind of fun granular style to the lettering that again, it's sort of, it's a reminder that this is a, this is a rough neighborhood of a world, you know? And, uh, and I think just down to the lettering, Carlos really kind of zeroed in on the post-apocalyptic elements of it all. And so I think, you know, having that team together and having Christina and Mike kind of steering the ship, and you know, Christina, I you know, I I always want to thank her because I think she's really championed this book since since even the initial pitch. Um, I think she really kind of saw the potential and has has, has really fought tirelessly That's to make awesome. sure that we had it. And Mike is terrific. I've I've known Mike since I was in college. Um, I, I interned for Mike when he was uh, when he was back at TC. Um, he was the Batman editor uh, on uh, Batman R.I.P. Um, that same summer that Final Crisis came out. So um, I owe a lot of my career to Mike Bartz. Um I, I always want to thank him for that. Uh, he was the one who kind of sat me down um, at the end of my internship. And this was during the recession where there were no jobs. Uh, yeah. And he told me something that I'll never forget. And it's something that I've always kind of really – based built my career around is he said nobody walks into the yankees and what that meant was you know comics very rarely do you do you walk on to to, to the big leagues you, you usually work your way up you start in the minor leagues you go to the farm teams yeah. you gotta fight and i think it also really kind of opened my horizons you know I love the big two. I love superhero books. I grew up raised on okay. all of them. And, and it, you know, if the big two comes calling, I will, of course, answer. I would happily do so. But I think it can be very limiting for a lot of aspiring comics professionals who say, well, my end goal is to write Spider-Man. There are probably more astronauts than people who have written Spider-Man. Uh, like people who have been in space, you know. And so I –
1: Actually,
2: like, like I, I, I it, it's it is it is an act like but, you know, there there are probably more Super Bowl champions than have written Spider-Man. You know, comics are so much more diverse and there's so many stories you can tell with them. And it really, I think, was the beginning of me giving myself permission to be a writer and to sort of tell these kinds of stories through the medium of comics, because I, I feel like there are so many. I am very fortunate to be in an industry that doesn't try to pigeonhole me, um, that I don't have to pigeonhole myself. And I think a lot of that comes from Mike's advice to me in college. And so um, I'm really grateful that I've been able to work with him again and uh, really grateful to uh, the crew at Aftershock for giving me a shot with it. Um, you know, I I, I, I I certainly wore them down <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. over the years. Um, but I think it it just goes to show that um, if you fight hard enough uh, for your ideas, um, eventually they'll break through. And uh, that's that's a lot, of hustle. a lot a lot of work, um, but yeah. it's uh, I can tell you it's it's very satisfying uh, now that the book is about to come out.
1: That's amazing. Now I want to write a comic shoot.
2: <laughs> you should you should it's the it's it's the best gig I've ever had. Uh, my only regret is I didn't start sooner
1: there's always that, you know, regret where it's just like, dang it, why did I not think of that, you know? Yeah. And just to build like a whole, you know, world, even in a small town like Colorado, that's a big world in as is where everything just happens, you know? Yeah. And like, you have like, you know, little, you know, little boy scouts actually, you know, are kind of like elite child soldiers, basically.
0: Yeah. And,
1: like, you know,
2: Bores and eating them I hadn't thought about or... that, but you're absolutely 100% right. I mean, I think a lot of it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's sort of they're teaching their children from a young age. Like, yeah, you know, you better take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. And
1: it was like that for the Great Depression. Um, my grandma grew up, you know, I mean, my late grandma, you know, she, she grew up during the Great Depression. And, you know, I remember my sister telling me that, you know, when she was, you know, my grandmother was younger, she had to like, you know, she and her, you know, family had to scrap. They had to fight. Yeah. That's why they were so, you know, adamant about saving money and like not spending it too much, you know, because, you know, what happened and, you know, in the great depression, you, you know, you had no time to fool around, you know, there was no time to like, you know, dilly daddy. It was just, you know, you had to like, you know, get up and work, you know, you had to, you know, or you weren't going to eat and it was just like, wow, you know, and I see, I see a whole lot of that too with Scouts Honor, you know, books like Scouts Honor and like works like The Walking Dead, you know, where, you know, kids grow up pretty fast and, you know, basically you have no time to be playing around. I mean, okay, maybe there's some time, but, you know, for the most part, you got to get up and survive because if you don't either, you know, do you, you know, either this world's going to chew up and spit you right out or, you know, something far worse is going to happen. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and I think, you know, anybody who's sort of grown up with uh, a demanding parent, you know, I think can 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 understand that feeling Um, in that, you know, they they, that's the tragedy of it all. They want what's best for you. You know, they want to make sure that they want to make sure that, you know, in an uncaring world that you can kind of stand in your own two feet and that you know has its own pros and cons to it. Um, you know, I I grew up in a pretty demanding house, um, and growing up in it, I certainly did my fair share of complaining and moaning. Um, at the same time, you know, I don't think I'd be where I am without it. Um, you know, and so I feel like that is kind of the push and pull of a community like the Ranger Scouts, um, and we get to see both sides of that through Kit and Des.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, we see, like, yeah, yeah, like you said, like I think we're gonna see different sides of, like, you know, the Ranger Scouts and, like, also, um, just the whole. It's almost like the two sides of the same coin, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like you know, I, you know, not to like, I don't want to spoil anything though, but I have a feeling that we're gonna see a story about the Highwaymen too. We'll get to learn a little bit
2: about kind of what 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 their deal is and why did they why do they become the guys they became um yeah uh there's definitely there's a reason why they're why they're there um and uh yeah you know i uh i don't want to spoil too much but uh yes they they they're there for a
1: reason yeah and also you know even Kit's father i mean i i kind of wondered during his interaction it was like one of my other favorite scenes to so... Interaction between Kit and her father, and it kind of made me wonder if he himself was a scout, perhaps, you know, or yeah, yeah, definitely. No, um, you know, uh, are you seeing Kit and, and her
2: father? Um, yeah, Kit's father is sort of a, a more of a late in life. Uh, uh, you know, we'll we'll get to see how Kit got brought into all this. Uh, we'll see it actually in issue two. Um, but I think, I think she was not born into it. And I think that's part of the reason why her faith is as strong as it is, is she kind of knows what the rest of the world is like out there. Um, whereas, uh, whereas, you know, her father, I think, ha- by virtue of really getting into it late, I think that's part of the reason why he's a little bit more permissive of his daughter than you might necessarily expect out of the society. Uh, I I consider that sort of the reason why she's able to sort of have this secret identity, so to speak. Um, She has to have somebody who knows. And I think that makes her relationship with her father kind of touching in a way, um, because I think he is, he's worried about her and he wants to make sure that he doesn't, she doesn't get caught. But at the same time, there's something so tender and accepting about this guy. Um, you know, he's kind of a, a progressive feminist for being in the you know in the <laughs> yeah. post-apocalyptic world. Um, and so, yeah, Kit's father, Glenn, um, he's the fun character, and he's he's definitely. I had a lot of fun uh, uh, in the scenes that he's been in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading issue number two. Um, And I really like Aftershock comics. I mean, it it was just one of the comics I found by accident, actually. Um, Sure. Some cool stories, too, um, I've seen, I've noticed. uh, Yeah. Especially like Scout's Honor. I think there's a Western, too. Um,
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. Join.
1: Oh, uh, un, was it Undone
2: by Blood? I know there's Undone by Blood. There was yeah. uh, there's uh, 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 Join the Future uh, by Zach Kaplan. That's really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just they're just uh, you know they're a good bunch of people, um, and I've I've really enjoyed working with them, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to to throw some more some more uh, books their way.
1: I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, um, we're we're kind of at a close here. So any final thoughts you want to share? with um, the Yeah. The you, universe? <laughs> you know, I, I, first off, you know, uh, you can pre-order
2: issues two and three uh, at your local comic shop right now. Um, the pre-order codes for that are, um, uh, it is DEC uh, for December, 2011, uh, 33 for issue two and uh, Jan for January, two, one, one, zero, four, nine, for issue three. Um, you know, indie books like ours, they live and die based on pre orders. So, you know, every order counts, every order matters. Um, beyond that, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at PeposD, uh, David Pepos Comics at Facebook. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks at slash pep news. Uh, or you can visit my brand new website at davidpepos.com. Awesome.
1: Be sure to shop local everyone i mean support your local comic book shop yes. you know i mean especially in this pandemic i mean comic book shops need all the help we, all the help they can get you know um you know shout out to samurai comics and um also gotham city comics two comic shops like to shop at you know Just help help comic book shops like that out because Please. you know they definitely need our help
0: and so um, you can definitely
1: follow the Earth... You can follow um, the Earth16 Comics Wire podcast at Earth16 Podcast. Um, we're all, I'm also... This podcast is right now under the Daily Planet DC um, blog site. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at um, Brian of Earth16, um, as well as Instagram as well. So um, that's going to wrap it up for this some segment. Um, thanks thanks for being on the podcast again, David. My pleasure. the t- technical difficulties. I mean, I think... I mean, I kind of look back at it right now. I thought it was kind of hilarious, but hey.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, thank you for having me. And, and uh, thanks, as always, for your support. It really means the world.
1: Awesome. And, you know, like I said, you know, I'm going to I'm looking forward to um, Scouts Honor number two. Um, be sure to get Scouts Honor at your local comic shop um, or at Abishock Comics. I'll uh, come at your website, too, also, right? Uh, I'm sorry? Uh, on your website, you can also purchase it, too, correct?
2: Yeah, you should. Yeah, uh, I've got a, a, co- a copy of the first issue uh, on my website. Um, so, yes, uh, you can also purchase it uh, for sure on my website.
1: Awesome. And as I always say, people, stay ever so awesome. This is Brian from Red 16 and my buddy David Pepos. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yeah, you got it. Awesome. So we're signing out. Thank you.
0: That's another episode in the books, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all um, enjoyed that episode. If you like my podcast or want to follow um, the podcast on Twitter, you can at um, Earth16 podcast for the Earth16 Comics Wire um, Twitter. You can also follow the podcast my um, Earth16 Comics Wire Instagram at Earth16 Comics Wire, and you can also follow my um, other Twitter account at Brian Earth16, and my other Instagram account at Brian of Earth-16 as well. And you can definitely check out um, the Earth-16 Comics Wire website at earth16comicswire.blog. And also you can definitely check out the Daily Planet um, webpage at dailyplanetdc.com where you'll find amazing articles. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you all um, stay ever so awesome. This is Brian from Earth-16 signing out once more. Peace.